of transforming lives, of changing people's lives. That's why we put an emphasis on disciple-making, because we believe that through the Spirit of God, He can do that. And so we go about that uh, here at Grace Church uh, with the smallest of us from our nursery age group and vacation Bible schools and all that uh, to the oldest of us. And so part of what we have been talking about as being the body of Christ here at Grace Church is using our gifts to honor God. And part of using our gifts is flexing our spiritual muscles. We are a healthier body when all of us are using the gifts that God has given us. So because that's true, we're going to have the kids come up. I'm going to ask the kids to come forward. They're going to share a song with us. So all you kids in the back, Miss Jess, if you want to bring the kids up. Now, our children, some of them uh, have a, a nice voice. Some of them, like me, maybe don't. But one of their gifts is they're all just so cute. So it doesn't matter how they sound, really. We just get them up here because this is their way of using their gifts that they have at Grace Church. God gave them these gifts because they all got wonderful, beautiful faces. And now you guys are going to use them. The song they're going to do is one that when we do our vacation Bible school, uh, one of the things that the kids love doing is the songs at the beginning. Because uh, they all have motions. Now, we'll try and not break anything up here with the motions that they're going to be doing. But they all have motions, and they just have a good time singing the songs. We have a good time as Jody leads those songs uh, at Vacation Bible School. So this is one that they've been practicing, one that we've done at Vacation Bible School. And remember, the spiritual gift today is them being up there. So that's what we're going to focus on. So do we have all of our mics on? You're on, Billy. How about you? You got your mic on? Yes. All right. You guys good over there? You guys good down there? All right. All the mics are on. To God, to God, to God be the glory. To God, to God, to God be the glory. To God, to God. To God be the glory, to God, to God, to God be the glory, to God be the glory, great things he has done, so loved he the world that he gave us his son, he yielded his life and atonement for sin, to open in the life and that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, that we are hearing voice, praise Praise the Lord. 
Microphones. Everybody wanted a microphone, so the plastic ones, don't tell them they're actually flashlights, so don't tell them that. Great job. Thanks to the 27 adult leaders, too, to help us make that happen. Good job. So in just a minute, we're going to follow up all those cute faces with some other cute faces. The choir is going to come and sing for us. So they're cute, too. You can clap for them, too, when they come and sing. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, before we get there, though, I do want to just uh, kind of give an announcement, so to speak, as to how you can respond as a disciple maker. So if you haven't been at Grace since September and worshiping with us, then this doesn't make tons of sense to you, but you can be a part of it and are encouraged to come back if you're looking for a church home. But we've been talking about being disciples in that we're called to be a disciple. Ted's called to be a disciple, but Ted's called to, to make disciples and Ted can't do that by himself. Because actually when we become followers of Jesus, we are incorporated into what is called, the, the scriptures call, the body of Christ. So we've been talking about that as Grace Church. Grace Church family, we call it the, our church family, but we also are the body of Christ. And so we talked about how some of us are the hand, and we've been gifts to do that, and some of us are the foot, and some of us are the ear, the eye, or whatever. We've all been given gifts to be used to strengthen the body of Christ. And when we use all those gifts, we're actually healthier as a church, as the body of Christ. And so we've kind of been talking all about that the last number of weeks, months. So I want to try and help you. If you're here at Grace Church, you're a part of this body of Christ, and you're thinking, what gifts do I have? How can I be used? What is going on at Grace Church that maybe I have this gift I could use? Now, some of that is just you're really talented at something, and that's great, and you can use that for God. Spiritual gifts go beyond that, and God actually empowers you for the work of ministry. And we talked about that out of Ephesians, that God is actually giving the church, you and I, gifts to empower us in supernatural ways to be the body of Christ, 
for the purpose of being disciples who then make disciples. So we're going to give you something. If you don't have a phone, that's okay. We have a printout for you. And on the, the printout is a QR code. So if you don't know what a QR code is, uh, then you're going to want to use the paper form because you have no clue what I'm talking about. But on the paper, we're going to either give this to you or when we go into the fellowship hall, if you're sticking around for um, the lunch, we're going to put this on the screen and then you'll just be able to shoot it off of the screen. There's also a, a thing in the lobby. We'll move that into the fellowship hall with the QR code that you can just, if you have a phone and it's a smartphone, all you have to do is get your camera out and you can hover, I'll do it right now on mine, and you can just hover your camera over it and it's going to bring up a website. Uh, it's, a, it's a document. The document that will, and it works, I just tried it, so it's, it's okay. The document that it's going to pull up is the same as this. So maybe if you're not typically here at Grace Church or you missed this message, you're like, why is Arnold Schwarzenegger on the screen right now? Looking, he doesn't look that way anymore, but he's looking fit there. We talked about if we are all exercising our spiritual gift, flexing those spiritual muscles, that gift that God's given you, we're actually healthier as a church. And we ought to look like this, not like flabby and out of shape and, you know, we get out of breath just walking up the steps. As the body of Christ, when we flex those spiritual muscles, that's the gifts that you have, that's serving here at the church and serving in the community, we ought to be like this. So on the sheet, there's a picture of Arnold just posing there, looking happy and like, I'm fit, and I want you to be fit too. In the, in the lobby, there's also a picture of the QR code with Arnold right beside it, and that's going to bring up the same thing. On it, it basically just asks you some questions. What are areas of service that interest you? So at Grace Church, we have different discipleship ministries that are teaching ministries, helping you go deeper. We also have other ways you can serve, whether it's outreach, connectional ministries of life within the body, connecting people together, fellowship ministries, worship ministries, operations. That's all listed on this sheet or the Google Doc that'll come up when you use the QR code. It also asks, what are your strengths or passions? Because typically, God will empower you in something you already love. That's just how God wired us. And then we become a, a believer, a follower of Jesus, and we want to serve him in the church as the body. And oftentimes, those strengths and passions are ways that God has empowered you to serve so that we might be the healthy body of Christ he's calling us to be. The other question is asking about whether or not you'd be willing to lead at Grace Church. You know, we all start in our discipleship process at different places, but ultimately being a disciple who makes disciples, God is growing us. We start out as that baby. That's how the scriptures kind of talk about our faith in Jesus. We start out that baby Christian, and as with any other baby, you need a lot of help in growing. Others need to feed you, things like that. But as you grow, you begin doing all those things for yourself. And ultimately, God's leading us to the place where we can help make disciples and, and be in leadership to do that. 
and talk about how we're doing that at Grace. How might we do that even better? And so one of the questions is asking, is God calling you to be in leadership in some way at Grace Church? Maybe even starting something that we don't even do and say, hey, I think this would be a great way to help us grow as disciples and make disciples and talk to others about who Jesus is. And then one of the other questions is getting involved in another discipleship ministry, a small group setting. And we do that at, in different ways at Grace Church. This setting, our worship time, serves its purpose, but it can't deepen our relationship with Jesus all by itself. And so we always in, inclu include and invite you to participate in a smaller group where you're with other believers who are using one another to, to help each other grow, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to study the scriptures together. And there's questions on there if you're in one of those groups. Uh, or if you'd like to be in one of those groups, you can mark that down. And if you just have questions about spiritual gifts, there's a spot there where you can mark down talking to myself or David and I together about spiritual gifts. On this sheet, if you're like, I don't even know what my spiritual gift would be. I have, I've never even thought about it. On the QR code, the document, if you use your phone or this sheet, there's a website. And that website is basically just a spiritual gift, what they call assessment or inventory. It just asks you some questions to try and help you discover, well, where might God have gifted me? And then the only way you figure that out is by serving, is by getting involved. And really, that's how all of this works. We can't be a healthy body if just the pastor does it or just those four people in the church do it. That's not a picture of health. What Paul describes when he's talking to all these churches, what Peter describes when he's writing letters to these churches, is that the body of Christ, all of us together, are serving and have been gifted for the work of ministry. It's not just the professionals. In our context, in our culture, we have paid staff. I'm part of that paid staff, and sometimes we think, well, we pay people to do that, but that's not how it works. In the church, there was not a distinction between clergy and lay people. There was a distinction between gifts. God gifted this person as shepherd teacher. God gifted this person to be an apostle or with the gift of prophecy or whatever. It wasn't necessarily, well, we pay them and we're not paid. So we have to see ourselves as all of us need to flex those spiritual muscles. And if you've been trying to figure out how that happens for you, as we've been going through this sermon series, we want to help. And so today at the end of the service, if you need a paper form, I didn't print out however many people are here, I just printed out a few, uh, because if you don't have a smartphone, you can't use the QR code, but if you have a smartphone, um, you can just hover over that QR code, that'll bring up the document, you can do it today, you can do it later, we'll send that same QR code out via the email newsletter so you can do it uh, at your own convenience, but all of it is being done so that we can discover how God's gifted each one of us. Because the better we are at knowing that, the more we're going to be passionate about using it in connection to what God's doing at Grace Church. And how God's going to use however He's gifted you to help you grow. Because we don't grow as disciples in and of ourselves or by ourselves. We do that 
with others. We do that in connection to community, which is what the church family is. We also do that in relation to how we serve. Because God has given each of us this gift, not for Ted's own enjoyment or so that everybody looks at Ted and says, how great is Ted? He's actually given me the gifts I have for you, for the body for the the work of ministry, for what he's doing in this world. And so the more we flex those muscles, those spiritual muscles, the healthier we're going to be. So at the end of the service, look for one of these or just do this at the fellowship time or later on Tuesday when we send that out. And if you have other questions or if you're not sure where to get started, all it takes is a phone call to David and myself to start the conversation and say, hey, here's what we're doing. Why don't we connect you with uh, Tim who does this? And it's not like you just got to figure it out all by yourself. You'll be with another, uh, another group of people that are walking through this together because di- discipleship happens in relationship. Just follow Jesus' life around. He didn't just teach the disciples and go off and do his own thing. They walked around together, they lived together, they ate and slept in the same place and laughed and cried. Everything they did was in relationship to one another. And so if we think about discipleship as individuals, we need to realize that I I can't do this by myself. Jesus didn't even do it by himself. But he's given us something to do it with. We call that the church, the body of Christ. And so we want to help you um, figure that out together. So part of using your gifts and serving uh, is if you have a beautiful voice, you can use it at Grace Church. The kids just were up here. I'm going to call the choir. If the choir can come and get in place, the choir sings at Grace Church. As I mentioned, we have the Christmas cantata coming up in December, uh, which is a lot of singing. Uh, Obviously, we have a worship team up here that serves and gives, and each of these groups actually meet throughout the week because they practice and they give time and energy and effort to that, and all for the purpose of blessing God. They want to use the gifts that they have to bless God. So if that's you, if you have a, a beautiful voice, we're, we're calling, I don't, I love to sing, but my voice is not beautiful. So I leave it to the people that have beautiful voices. So if you have one, there's a choir, there's a worship team, there's special music that we do, and that's maybe something God can use you uh, to do. So we're going to hear that as the choir uses their gifts to praise God and bless us as a result of hearing that. Thank you, choir, for using your gifts to remind us of something that's important that he is my joy. I think part of, as I said, when we're thinking about being a disciple, it doesn't just happen because we show up to a service and then go home and the rest of the week is ours. But part of what I think is important about weekly gathering, weekly uh, rhythm of life, being together as the body of Christ, as a church family, is being reminded of certain things like that. Where does your joy come from? Because life can be difficult at times. Life can be challenging. Life throws uh, a lot of curves at us. And sometimes it can be hard to just go through life. And sometimes you feel like maybe you're by yourself walking through a difficult situation or something like that. I believe that God has given the world a, a blessing in the church. 
Because all that I've just described is true of whether you're not a Christian or whether you're not a follower of Jesus or you are a follower of Jesus. The same problems that you and I go through where we sing about Jesus being our joy doesn't mean we got to pretend that life isn't hard at times or that situations aren't messed up or things are unfair or this is unjust. But what God's given us as the church body, as the family of believers, is to be reminded of that truth and be reminded that we don't actually walk through this life alone. That trial, that difficulty, that situation that you're going through, you're not by yourself, and you shouldn't feel that way. And so an important part of being the church family is being able to shoulder each other's burdens and care for one another and pray for one another. And the, the song that we sang earlier about Jesus changing people's lives, I think many of us who have been followers for a long time know that He does that. And He often does that through the Spirit, and the Spirit often does that through the power of prayer. Maybe you've heard the phrase said before, prayer changes things. I know growing up and when I was doing ministry at St. Paul's Church uh, with my dad and others there, I wasn't on staff or anything like that, but that was a phrase we used a lot. And we were committed to praying about a lot of different things because we believed that prayer changes things. So part of gathering Sundays is, is that for us at Grace Church. If you're not a part of a church family, this is one of the benefits I think you'll have, whether it's Grace Church or another church body, where you know you have people who will pray for you. Now, I was reminded this morning just a conversation I was having with Pearl that God is still healing people. Have you been praying about that recently? Have you forgotten about praying about that? Because God is still doing that in people's lives. Jesus is still changing people's lives. Maybe that's physical healing. Maybe that's spiritual, emotional healing, some scars or wounds that you have. Well, you don't have those in isolation from other people. Those probably happened in relationship with others, and the way those get healed is in relationship with others again, and sometimes that's difficult, but you have a church family who wants to see that happen in your life because we believe that God does that. So as we go with the rest of our service, I do want to pray before we continue because it's an important part of what we do as a church family and the offering that God gives us to come before Him in prayer. And if you've felt like, I don't even know if God's even hearing my prayers, I want you to know that He is. And even if you don't see it happening right now, God is definitely moving and working because He is good, and that's what His heart and desire is, and we're going to have a couple of people come up here to share how God worked and moved in their lives, in their hearts, and all that happened because people were praying with them and for them, and that can happen in your life too. So what I want to do, I'm going to pray before we keep moving on here, but I'm going to ask you, if there's somebody sitting beside you, just put your hand on their shoulder. So just put your hand on that person's shoulder. This is our 
reminder, doing something physical, movement, and now you put a hand on somebody's shoulder. Um, single guys, if you're single, now's your, no, don't. <laughs> we're not doing that. But maybe you can talk at the lunch, I don't know. But this is the physical reminder to say, hey, you're not alone. If you felt like that when you came to church today, that, that hand on your shoulder is telling you you're not alone. God has given us a church family. And so before we move on, we're going to pray together. So let's do that. God, thank you. God, thank you for your goodness to us. God, your faithfulness to us, even in un our unfaithfulness, you continue to be faithful because you are good, you are righteous, you are just, and God, you are forgiving, and you are gracious and kind and merciful. So God, we recognize that we've not always lived the way we ought to. A lot of times we try and do things our own way, and oftentimes, if we're honest, we don't even think about you all week long. And yet here we are, you give us an opportunity to be reminded that you are our joy, to be reminded that you offer us forgiveness through your son, Jesus Christ. And so we confess to you, we've not always deserved that, but we are thankful, grateful this morning, Lord God, that in your rich mercy, you lavish upon us your grace through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and you continue to communicate that to us as your body here on earth through the power of your Holy Spirit. And so, God, I pray for each person that's here this morning, those who maybe couldn't make it or watching at home. God, I pray that as we feel that hand on our shoulder, we would be reminded that we're not walking through this life alone. In fact, there's somebody as close as right next to us that can be praying for us, encouraging us, caring about us, Lord. And I pray that we would do that as a church family, as the body of Christ. We are healthier when we are doing that for each other. And so, God, I pray that those who are seeking physical healing, Lord, that you would touch them. We've been praying about some people, Lord, that have been suffering physically for a long time. And we just pray this morning together as brothers and sisters, united in prayer and in heart and mind, Lord, we pray that you would bring healing to their bodies. We know that you can do it and desire to do it, and we ask, God, that you would. Lord, I know there is those who have just been struggling, maybe emotionally, spiritually, Lord God, things going on in their lives, and I just pray that they might sense your presence with them. Your spirit might touch their heart in a special way, Lord, that they might be reminded that Jesus can change their life. The more we give over to Jesus, the more He can change in us, and the more we become the people that we're called to be, that You desire us to be, Lord. And so I pray that that person that's struggling right now feels that hand upon their shoulder and knows that they're not alone. And that hand is representing, God, You in their life as well. So, God, I am thankful, grateful for this church family, for this body of Christ here in Schuylkill Haven, the many in our county, Lord God, the many all over the world, the ones I was able to be with in Nepal, God. You have gifted us something special, brothers and sisters, a family, a community of believers who desire to see your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, we desire to see that in our life. We desire to see that in this world. So, God, as we continue to grow as the body, help us grow in such a way that we're able to introduce other people to this very Jesus that changed our life, that can change their life too, and their family, 
and indeed change entire cultures and communities. And so, God, as we continue our time together as Grace Church, we are thankful for all that you have been doing. God, thankful for all that you will do. Thankful for the many people that use and give their gifts back to you to honor and glorify you, bless others, and hopefully, Lord God, that we would be able to make disciples as a result. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us these brothers and sisters. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Some others are going to use their gifts again, some more music. One of the ways that God has gifted uh, people in the church is musically. The quartet's going to come up and share a number with us. And it doesn't matter what country you you are in. As I've shared, I was in Nepal, but I've been and worshipped in Liberia. I've worshipped in Mexico. I've worshipped in India. I hope to worship in Japan in 2023. Music is just a huge part of worship, of being together. Because God just has a way of blessing people musically. At Grace Church, we try and uh, help us do that. Everybody uh, worships and is interested and feels connected to God in different styles and formats. And so uh, we try and do that at Grace because we know music is a powerful way uh, God uses the Spirit to work and move in our lives. And so let's hear from the quartet as they bless us with this song, I Shall Wear a Crown. And before Steve turns that on, just a quick history for those of you who haven't known us as long as other people have. Uh, Charlie and I grew up in this church. We were members of the junior choir, again, the cute kids who stood out front. Um, I don't know when you first noticed your singing voice. Oh, well, thanks to Frank Keener, um, I took piano lessons from Frank Keener, if anybody That's good. knows that name, now. right. Um, I remember him. Yeah. There you go. And uh, so he founded me. Yeah. So we both sang in junior choir at the morning services from I don't know what age on. But I will say, as Ted, since Ted mentioned that some people have good singing voices and some people not so much, my singing voice when I was age four was monotone. One pitch, that's all I sang. And my parents do have a recording of it as proof. And God said, I'm gonna take that voice and I'm gonna change that. And through the years he gave me wonderful people who inspired me, including Frank Keener, even though at the time we were like, you're mean and you're, <laughs> we have to be here on a Sunday morning to sing. But through the years, gave me wonderful people to inspire me. Judy and Lynn came to our church when Judy was hired as our organist. She served as organist for 30 years. That's when we created the quartet. And we were on a hiatus for a little bit, but now we're trying to meet every once in a while and get back, use those gifts again. We're bringing the quartet back to life. Yeah. Unison. Yes, thank you. All right. Hit it, Steve. Watch ye, therefore, you know not the day. When the Lord shall call your soul away If you labor, striving for the right You shall wear a robe and crown Watch ye, therefore, you know not the day 
watch ye therefore you know not the day when the lord shall call your soul away if you labor striving for the right you shall wear a robe and crown i shall wear a crown i shall wear a crown when the trumpet sounds when the trumpet sounds i shall wear a crown i shall wear a crown i shall wear a robe and crown i shall wear a crown i shall wear a crown when the trumpet sounds when the trumpet sounds i shall wear a crown i shall wear a crown soon as my feet strike zion Lay down my heavy burden, gonna put on my robe in glory. Shout and tell of my story. Soon as I can see Jesus, tell them all about my troubles. Put on my robe in glory. Shout and tell of my story. Soon as I can see Zion, lay down my heavy burden, put on my robe in glory. Shout and tell my story Soon as I can see Jesus Tell them all about my troubles Put on my robe in glory Shout and tell, tell my story I shall wear a robe and crown I shall wear a robe I shall wear a robe I shall wear a robe Thank you. Thanks, Quartet, for using your gifts to praise God. As I said, you can join us in doing that in different ways if you're musically inclined. There is information on the uh, survey that you can do that uh, you can mark that down. Part of what I had shared with regard to what we're doing at Grace Church with our We Are Disciple Makers um, series was also just wanted to use this opportunity uh, for some Grace Church people to share how God's been working in their life. Uh, so you hear me preaching Sunday after Sunday, but I thought it was good. Uh, it's always good to hear some testimony, to hear how that actually plays out. How, how does God do that in people's lives? And so to remind you that if you're at that place, well, yeah, God does in other people's lives. Here's some stories of just people who have been seeking after God to be a disciple and God doing that in their life. So I want to invite Mark and Mary Ann Stefior to come forward. And uh, they want to just share uh, testimony in their own life, how God has been uh, working in their life. And we want to give them the opportunity to do that. Okay. 
I'll get this okay. out of the way. You can use that for I'm your... okay. I'm going to start out reading from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Thank you. Um, that's a Bible verse, and it's a command, actually, that God has given us. When we walk through our trials and tribulations, we're asked by God to share those trials with others as a comfort and say, hey, I've walked a mile in those shoes. I've gone what you've gone through. Our testimony is our marriage. Unlike many who have nice level plateau marriages out there with no struggles, ours has been a virtual roller coaster pretty much. <laughs> and uh, you know, like many, we got married, we fell in love with each other, and uh, we had our problems. We split up many years ago and we were separated for about a year. I moved in with my grandmother back in New Jersey and you know, we stayed in communication because of visitation with our daughter. And, um, you know, one thing led to another. We talked and we got back together. We said, you know, let's, let's do this. But we did it wrong because when we got back together, it wasn't but like a couple of months and then old hat, because we're creatures of habit. We sit in the same pews all the time here and all that stuff like that. But old habits tend to go in. So we got back in the same rut and, you know, you've, Fast forward many years, you're on that roller coaster again with lots of ups and downs. And then time came and uh, I had, you know, we were struggling and I had filed for divorce. Mark, you're a believer, you filed for divorce? Yeah, well, David sent Uriah the Hittite to the front line, so don't judge me, okay? But um, <laughs> I had filed for divorce and I'm like, I'm going to be strong, I'm going to do this because, you know, that's, that's how I am and stuff like that. Because, it, you know, when we, when we reverse back, we did try the marriage thing. We tried marriage counseling for a bit. And attitude, and I know people have preached on it already, and, but that, that really matters because attitude, when you go into a marriage counselor, and let me tell you this, a marriage counselor is not judge and jury, okay? If you go to your marriage counselor, you're not going to go in there and say, oh, I'm going to say my side, she's going to say hers, he's going to say you're right, she's wrong, don't do that anymore. You did. That's not how marriage counseling works. That's why it failed the first time that we went. We fast forward to when I filed for divorce. We were separated for 14 months. I was a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got nothing on my life, I'm telling you. I'd rather walk through the fire than go through what I went through. Um, you know, I had filed for divorce, then I had second thoughts, and I went to my lawyer. I said, just send a letter to, you know, my wife's lawyer saying, I, I want to stop all the proceeds. And so he did reluctantly, because he said, you know, he's a lawyer, he wants the money. He's like, just let it go, you know, if you don't do anything, it'll dissolve away with the state. And um, so he sent the letter to, to her lawyer, and I'll never forget when I got, the, he called me into the office and I got the letter back and it started off with the first three words, under no circumstance. So I was like, okay, Lord, that's, 
how it's going to go in the fork in the road. I was the one who caused this. So it's, this is the path that I have to go. But I had it settled in my heart then. I said, okay, you know what? I'm not going to be a bitter person. I'm just going to show Marianne that I have no animosities towards her for this. So she had still worked for me in the office. She would come to the office, and I wasn't there those days. I had made that agreement. But I would leave her little gifts. I'm like, hey, you know what? I wonder if she needs some of this. So I'll get this, and I would leave her gifts. And then um, I don't know if that's the, where I'm standing with the speakers or what, but uh, I apologize. So I would leave her things. And then um, we fast forward a little bit more, and it was a glass of wine and my grandson's birthday cake <laughs> that got us back together. It was on Super Bowl Sunday when Tom Brady was still playing for the Patriots. And um, we had talked. And that when, when I was leaving her that night, that was the first time I hugged my wife in a very long time. We didn't want it to end. And I told her, I said, when we were doing this, I said, I hate failure. I said, we, we did this wrong the first time. We got to do this right. I said, we need to seek wise counsel. Another biblical principle. Hey, God gets it right all the time. So I said, we, you know, let's talk with your pastor and see what we did. So we had a meeting. We met with Pastor Ted. We talked with him for a very long time. And he said, Mark, he said, this is, you know, little more that I'm qualified to handle for this. But he says, I know somebody who can help you. Plug for Elizabeth Fisher, because this woman was a godsend to us. When you get biblical, spiritual, Bible-based counseling for a believer, you learn about so many things out there. I learned about, we all know in the Bible there's the four horsemen in Revelation. You know there's the four horsemen that will destroy a marriage. There's criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. I'm not going to go into the things. You can Google it yourself. But just to, you know, little readers digest the, the criticism thing. You know, that's usually the start of it. And you don't want to go that route because little criticisms... Are, are just jabs, they're little wounds. The, the contempt can just be emotional abuse, physical abuse, anything like that. Defensiveness can be, you know, why you're defending your actions. And sometimes we get like that where, you know, you want something and your spouse doesn't want it. And, you know, you get defensive, like, why can't I have this? I'm a grown person. Well, wait a minute, S sit down, and I've learned to do this. Weigh out the pros and cons. What's more important, this or my wife? If I want this, I may lose my wife. So I don't want that anymore. You know, and then the stonewalling goes into the, you know, where you don't want to talk about it anymore. And, and it's just, I, I don't want to talk about it. I, I just don't want to talk about it anymore. That's stonewalling. That's usually the fourth horseman, and that's, you, you better get help real fast. But even within that stonewall, it's not stonewalling, but um, avoidance, 
is within that realm of stonewalling. And I've, I've actually learned that. That was one thing, what I would do, you, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer, you know, you got, he would talk about animal world as fight, flight, avoidance, and submission. In, in our world, we have fight, flight, and avoidance. I would tend to do avoidance because even though we got back together, in the beginning, it was still rough. There was still bumps on the roller coaster. And um, I remember one time we had an argument and then I just packed my bags and I left. And Elizabeth told me that was the wrong thing to do. And I'm like, why? I don't want to fight. I don't want to argue. I love her. I want to get back together. She's like, Mark, you're sending that message to Mary Ann that when the going gets tough, you're ready to pack up and leave. And I was like, okay. All right. I have notes. I mean, when we did this, it was rough because when we were going to counseling, it was when the pandemic happened. And there was all the shutdowns. So we had to do it virtually on the computer in our schedules. It wasn't until the very end that we got to meet Elizabeth in person and hug her and actually, you know, thank the Lord and praise the Lord for her with that in the end. But, um, you know, it was just those things that you learn. It's like, okay, wait a minute now. I'm thinking I'm doing it right. Actually, I'm not. So then next time we had it, we had an argument. I forget what it was. And I just, I took her by the shoulders. I said, Marianne, I'm telling you right now. I don't care why. I don't know why this is happening, but I'm telling you right now. My bag is still there. I am here. I am not leaving no matter what, you know. And those kinds of things, when, when you start to look, and I, I don't like to use the word trigger because of the, the, the society we're living in. They use it too flamboyantly. But when you get into your, your little spits and spats with your spouse, you don't, you, I personally don't tend to look at like, you know, why, why does she do that? You know, why is she being that? Like, okay, what happened that is causing her to be like this? And it might just be like a little insecurity, you know, that's creeping up. She might have had a thought like, yeah, like he really doesn't love me. And I would, I would tell her, I was like, Marianne, look, I had 14 months to do this because in that 14 months when I said I'm strong I'm going to I found out how weak I was let me tell you God will do that to you when you puff your chest up like Lou Ferrigno or Arnold Schwarzenegger was, yeah you can go down real fast pride cometh before a fall and I found out how weak I was um, with that and God God showed me those things but I'm, I'm doing this as an encouragement to anybody that's out there it is doable to, to, to heal for restoration, for reconciliation, to build that bond. Because what's the alternative? Satan wins. That's what the alternative is. Because he loves to tear up the family. And he knows that the foundation of the family is the husband and the wife down at the bottom. It's not the mother and the children. It's not the husband and his work. I think it was Lee Iacocca said when he retired, no, no executive of any corporation when he retired, his speech never said, I wish I spent more time at work. It was always, I wish I spent more time with family. You know? So you, you learn to reprioritize you know, what's really important to you in your life and, and, and build on that and you know, look at those things that way. I hope in some way I've encouraged people, not only in the Christian community, out in virtual land. If, people, if somebody's a non-believer and they're looking at this, that goes for you too. It's, it's doable. It's definitely doable. It's work. 
It's not easy, but just the alternative is a lot more work because then you have to start all over from scratch. Here, I had 30 years, 30 plus years, I'm not going to say, but 85, I think it was, we were married, but 30 plus years of, you know, a head start. And if in this society that we live where Satan loves to break up the home and the family, you're starting all over. And at nine out of ten times, it never even works. Those people, they, th they start off with somebody and then it still doesn't work. So take what you have, pray about it, seek wise counsel and get direction as to where you should go and what, you know, what avenues, what options you have. And do the Lord's work in that way and build your marriage together. Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. We'll switch to the yellow one, see if that works better, Steve. I don't know if the blue one was not working right or what, but uh, I knew the story behind Mark and Marianne because obviously he said they, they came to me, but uh, as I was thinking about this service and what we would do, we had a men's ministry hike back in October, and it just so happened that Mark and I were in the same vehicle together by ourselves. And I had been thinking, praying about asking him and Marianne to share that because um, of how, to me, powerful it is. And I'm sure they would be happy to share more with you if you have more questions. Or if you're going through something or have a friend that's going through something, as Mark and Marianne said, they've walked it for a mile, and God has brought them to a, a better place than they were before. And that's why he wanted to come up here and, and share that, and, and both of them, Marianne and Mark, uh, to share that. And so we talked about that on that trip, and I'm like, he's saying to me, hey, God's been putting on my heart to stand up and tell everybody, because he wants to help. And I said, well, God's been putting on my heart to have you stand up and tell everybody. So it worked, and we made it happen. And so thank you guys for your willingness to share. That's not easy to do, being up here, being vulnerable like that, saying I'm a Christian, but I was pursuing divorce and things like that. So thank you for that testimony and for your faithfulness to one another and, and to trying to do life God's way. And when we do that, we give more of ourselves to God. God can do some amazing things in our lives. So thank you for sharing that. I also want to Ask Chuck Springer to come up and share. Um, again, I, as I was preparing for this service, I was praying about how and who can I ask. Come on up, Chuck. I'm just killing time right now as you walk up here. Who, who can I ask? Because it's not easy to stand up in front of everybody and just start talking about this stuff. But I was just asking God to put people on my heart that I've seen Him working in, the Lord working in. And so God put Chuck's name on my heart. Sorry, man, but that was God's fault. Don't blame me uh, to come up and share just what God's been doing in his life. So please share with us. You don't have to apologize because I'm not good at this. I like talking to people in groups as long as the group communicates back. When you're the only one talking, it's not so comfortable. So I have a couple little things at the top here. Take your time. Don't be nervous. You're talking to family. God is with you. And if all else fails, blame Pastor Ted. Always so. works. Always works. <laughs> um, which I have LOL after that. So, well, so hopefully between God and my notes, I can keep my brain from short circuiting. Uh, so 
myself and my wife, Linda, and daughter, Olivia, I guess it's about a year and a half since we've, we've been attending Grace. And just a little bit of my background. Um, so my mom, she was married at 16 and um, gave birth to me a year later. My, uh, my father became a drug addict. Um, he was abusive, extremely abusive. Um, and by four years old, he was pretty much out of the picture. Uh, my, I was raised by my mom and my grandmother, my mom's mom, uh, for the most part. And my father's grandparents, I had a relationship for uh, quite a few years. They moved from Schuylkillhaven to Florida, and then I didn't get to see them as much. But when I was young, they had me uh, baptized Methodist when uh, the Methodist church was downtown. And I, don't, I remember being there, but not, I was small, it was nothing substantial. So uh, my grandmother started going to a Christian church. Uh, I'm not sure how old I was, probably elementary age. My mom attended for a while, got baptized, and then she met my stepfather. And he went, didn't like it, and that was the end of that. So for the vast majority of my childhood, I, I really didn't go to church, didn't have any of that in my life. Um, my stepfather got relocated in my junior year of high school, and I did not want to move, so my grandmother, again, my mom's mom, said I could stay with her so I could finish high school in Pottsville. And my, so probably half of my junior year, my senior year, and probably not quite a year after that, I was going to church with her. That was one of her stipulations. If you're going to live with me, you're going to go to church with me. So that was pretty much my foundation those couple years. Um, by 19, I was on my own and was working, was out in the world, and you know, not really doing much positive. So as, as far as my faith, I think um, it developed in those couple years. I believed in God, but I didn't think church was important. Um, I had a history class at Penn State. I went for a semester when I was 21, and it was really interesting because all they did was talk about how corrupt the Catholic Church was. People were murdering people to get cardinalships and position in the church. So that really built my distrust, I think, for churches in general. And uh, my focus was on private belief. I believe that's all that matters. I don't need to do anything else. So at that particular point in my life, my belief had no depth. I mean, there, there was no depth. There was no real understanding about God or Jesus. It just, you believe there was an entity, but again, no substance behind it. And then Linda and I, you know, when we met, um, we had our three, uh, Linda had two boys from a previous marriage. I had a son, Ryan. And um, when we got together, Linda was raised Catholic her whole life. So kind of told her how I felt about the Catholic Church because of my history class. And uh, we tried Episcopalian because she's like, well, it's close enough for me and it's maybe a little bit more modified for you. And that didn't work. Um, we got to a point where the pastor at the church 
was basically going to accept that gay marriage was all right, and I couldn't get past that. I just didn't believe it. He tried to talk to me. That was the end of our Episcopalian adventure. So um, ended up going back to the Catholic Church, and I, I think at that time I just I wanted to try to be cooperative because I knew inside me that some church was better than none for our kids. And um, as the years progressed, uh, Olivia ended up going to Nativity, so you know we were still in that environment. And I tried to be positive. I tried to be involved with the church. You know, I met people. Um, just I didn't want to be hypocritical, right? So I figured I had to at least try. Um, so change for me really happened in 2014. I fell off a ladder and shattered my my heel. And, uh, you know, when you find out you're immobile for three months, you kind of think, okay, what am I going to do? I, this, this really stinks. So out of nowhere, I had an urge to read the Bible. It was kind of like a bucket list thing. I never read the Bible cover to cover. So I thought, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. And the first thing I opened to, just randomly opening, uh, you know, paper Bible, was Philippians 4.11, where... Paul was writing to be content no matter what the situation you're in. And for that particular time, I felt like uh, that that was God speaking to me for the first time in my life. You know, what were the odds I was going to open a scripture that's telling me to be content when I just found out I was immobile for three months? And that was really the start. So I read the Bible, didn't understand most of what I read. And I saw from different apps that you could do different Bible plans, Bible studies. So I started there, and it was good because I'd read, but people would explain what you were reading and the meaning behind it. So that, that kind of drove my desire to learn more. And I think that was the first time, well, I know it was the first time that I realized on a deeper level the actual gravity of my sin and what the actual cost was for the forgiveness of my sin. I never thought about that. And, you know, that was pretty heavy. So <clears throat> I was going through the motions, continued to do my Bible studies, but by 2020, I knew I had to make a change. I, I wasn't being fulfilled spiritually. And um, during the pandemic lockdown, uh, I told Linda, I'm going to change churches. I, I'm not learning anything, repeating the same things over and over again every week. There, there's just no spiritual growth, and I need more. So I ended up finding Pastor Ted, uh, watch a couple of his sermons, and I called and asked if I was able to come, and you know the rest is, has been history. So when I came to Grace Church, I just felt like I wanted to be active. I wanted to be involved. I felt... There's no way I'm going to grow unless I put myself out there. So um, I did the uh, church left the building the first time, and then it was joining a life group. And uh, through the life group, I ended up being asked to be on the fellowship committee. And then now, more recently, I'm a gym leader. And I can tell you every step of the way, I've just met incredible, amazing people. Um, 
being part of the life group, you know, it helped. We had some difficult situations that surfaced in our life, just those things that we all experience that you just don't see coming. And I don't think if I'm not at Grace Church in that life group, I get through that well. Um, it just helped me think about things differently. Rather than just react to a problem, I thought about it from a godly perspective. And I think, you know, it ties a little bit with what Mark was saying. We're so used to doing things the wrong way. And when you bring God into it, he helps you figure out the right way, if you're willing to let him. So uh, the one thing I know now is church family is real. I, I think most people here I've had the opportunity to meet Everybody here was extremely welcoming. Um, everybody here seemed, and I know it's genuine, they cared enough to come talk to me and meet me. You know, the fellowship committee opened that door to meet a lot of people at first service. And then, um, you know, we had the birthday party event where I got to really talk to the Bodenbergs for the first time and, and other people. So it, everybody's really been gracious, and I think it's just because that's who you are, um, not because it's the right thing to do, which I feel like that's how it maybe is at some other churches. So um, it also, grace has also changed my thinking about religion in general. Um, it's not something that you keep to yourself. It's about impacting others. Um, it's God's will, I believe, for you to self-reflect, for you to think about how you want to approach life, and not just throwing yourself into it. Um, you, know, you, want to, you want to do it his way. And part of that really fueled the desire in me to be better, because I know if I'm better, I'm going to ultimately reflect God's love in my life, and I'm going to represent God, and I feel like that's really the first way um, to start being a disciple for God. So it's just uh, kind of come full circle. You know, I, from, from being, well, as long as I believe I'm good, to understanding how much more there is. And uh, I don't know that I would have got here. I know I wouldn't have got there without all of the uh, Grace Church family. So thank you. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, thanks, Chuck, for uh, sharing that. And, and, you know, what you heard, I could bring another person up and another person up. You, you got to hear a journey that Chuck was on, but, but that's how God works in all of our lives. Maybe you're not exactly where he is. Maybe you're further back here on that journey. But you heard a couple of things in which God just shows up. He just decided to read his Bible, open that Scripture verse up to the one he needed to hear in that moment, and the Spirit of God is working in his heart, drawing him to God. You know, this isn't something like, here's the formula, step one, two, three, and four, and then it happens. What God does is supernatural. It's the work of the Spirit, and what he's calling us to do is be faithful to that, faithful to that message. It's God who does the work the Holy Spirit who does the work. It's we who continue to provide a service where Chuck can hear that, a group where he can get connected to. We've got to do those things as God does his work. And so you got to hear a journey. 
that he was on and maybe a journey that you're on, a journey that all of us take to where that moment is where Christ becomes real to us, our sin becomes real to us, and the amazing forgiveness we've received becomes real to us, and God changes our lives in that way. And so thank you, Chuck, for sharing your journey. I appreciate that. As I said, I was uh, because I get the inside scoop on all of it, this is why it's fun to be a pastor. I get the inside scoop on a lot of this stuff. And so I just ask God, what would be something that's going to touch one of your hearts and say, you know what, I was there too, or that's me. Um, and Chuck's story was one of those. So I want to invite Tyler up to share as well um, as I was praying. And um, Tyler's gotten connected to Grace Church and shared his story. I, his heart or his name came to mind. And in fact, he received a text message from me from Nepal asking him to pray about whether or not God's moving him to share this morning the service. So thank you for agreeing. Absolutely. Morning, everybody. Thank you, Mark and Mary Ann, for sharing those uh, few scriptures um, from 1 Corinthians. Um, yeah, I think it's so important that we share our tribulations that we've had and use them to comfort others. And yeah, that gave me a little encouragement to get up here. Um, I've been thinking about doing this for a long time. And, uh, you know, as, as Ted mentioned, he texted me uh, a few weeks ago, and sometimes God opens doors for us, and then he just kicks you right through. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> yeah, so uh, Ted asked me to share a little bit about uh, how I came to God, my testimony, a little bit about my past, and so... Uh, it's a long, crazy story, but I'll try to uh, sum it up as, as best I can. And uh, I'll just start from the beginning. I uh, was born and raised here in Schuylkill Haven. I uh, was raised by a single mother. I never met my father, but that's another story. Uh, yeah, my mom, she, she did a really good job. She really did a really good job. I don't know how she did it, but... There was always a meal on the table every night. Bills were always paid. And, uh, yeah, she was just always there for me. And I never really had a, a true father figure growing up. Um, there was a, a guy she met, and she was with him for about 10 years, but never really had that good bond with him, never considered him a father. And... Uh, I think that was really crucial. Um, we all know it's important to have that masculine uh, kind of mentor in your lives to show you the way, especially for a young man. But um, yeah, I had a, had a pretty good childhood. Um, had lots of friends, played sports, did pretty good in school, and I enjoyed school for the most part. Got pretty good grades. Um, but when I was a young kid, you know, I got introduced to some things, uh, became sexually active at a young age, as a lot of kids do, um, sadly, in this culture. And 
was never really taught, you know, the importance of being loyal and how to treat a woman. And, um, you know, I got a girlfriend at a pretty young age. And uh, she was an amazing girl. And I just cheated on her constantly and didn't treat her well, didn't respect her like I should have, but rationalized it with myself, told myself it was okay because she lived far away. And as far as uh, Christianity being part of my life, my mom, she did get us to go to church in like bits and spurts, and uh, but it was never really talked about in my house. Like we didn't bring it home. We didn't talk about what it meant to be a Christian, what it meant to, you know, live a Christian life. And it's only recently that I became comfortable, like bringing up Jesus in regular conversations, and it's like something I'm working through. But uh, fast forward a bit, I graduate high school and uh, go to Penn State uh, to major in kinesiology. And uh, the, the idea was I was going to be like a physical therapist, personal trainer, that kind of thing. My best friend and I, we were really into like the nightclub kind of party scene. And it was, uh, you know, a major focus of our lives. We were always meeting girls and going out and partying and doing that kind of thing. And so as I'm in college we decide we want to start a business. And we both start DJing, and uh, we start an entertainment production business, and we're renting out nightclubs, renting out expo centers, that kind of thing, and we're having these events for college kids, high school kids. I was only 19 at the time. But uh, it was actually pretty successful. And was so successful we both took a leave of absence from from school and we said hey let's let's hit this let's let's go all in on it and so <laughs> at this point in my life I'm like wow I got it all figured out like I have way too much money for a 19 year old kid you know I, I'm meeting women every day and I was happy and you know, I had my girlfriend, and she's like the romantic, intimate side of it, and I'm, you know, sleeping around with other women, and <laughs> it was like, I, I got this thing figured out, and this is where my life really started to spiral out of control, because God was missing from my life. I was drinking too much traveling around all the time, didn't have a close relationship with my family, partying, sleeping around, as I mentioned. And one day I found myself sitting in a jail cell. This was 12 years ago. And <laughs> it just, I'm like sitting there shocked. I'm like, how did I find myself here? It's a, it's a complicated, long story, but 
as I said, I wasn't living for God. Didn't have Jesus in my life. And everything was stripped away. My business, my friends, everything I idolized, thought was important, a reputation. And it was made really clear what's really important, and that's family. And I hadn't come to God yet, but as, as time went on, my first month of incarceration, um, you kind of just sign up to do whatever you can in jail to get out of the cell. And I signed up for a Protestant service, and I'm sitting there in the pew, and uh, the choir starts singing Amazing Grace. And those first two lines I heard, you know, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And up until that point, I never thought of myself like that, but I was a wretch, and I was blind. And it was like everything became so clear in that moment. <laughs> and it was like, wow, this, this is what I've been missing. This is what I need to center my life around. And from that point forward, uh, God has been working in my life in so many ways. I could tell you a million stories, but I'll just tell one. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was on the soccer team in there, and <laughs> when you go anywhere, you need a pass, and it has your name on it. And so we play the game, and I get my pass, and it says Tyler Lee on it. My middle name's Lee. Um, and getting ready to leave, and some guy comes up to me, he says, hey, I think you have my pass. I'm like, no, this, this is mine, I'm, I'm Tyler Lee. And he's like, no, I'm Tyler Lee. <laughs> and so, I said, oh, we have, we have the same name. And we're leaving the field, and we're walking to the same unit. I'm like, oh, we're, we're on the same unit, that's kind of cool. And we're walking back to our cells, and oh, we're next door neighbors, that's, that's strange. And so we become friends. We're about the same age. And as we get to know each other, I find out he's been a Christian for a long time. And uh, not only is he a Christian, he was leading a Bible study in there. Um, so he was, he was deeply involved in the chapel. Not only that, he played keyboard on the contemporary choir for a long time. And I never thought I'd be playing keyboard way down the road later, but... <laughs> yeah, he was a really influential figure in my life who, you know, kind of showed me the, gave me a foundation of what it meant to be a Christian. And um, yeah, God has just done so many things like that throughout my life. And uh, yeah, I, I, it was a tough, difficult road, but how deep I was in that sinful life, I truly believe there was no painless way of, of getting me out of it. 
God was like, I have to yank you out and take everything away so you can have a fresh foundation and completely start over. But, yeah, I've been coming to Grace Church since April of 21, and I'm just so happy and blessed that I found this place, and everyone's been so welcoming. The small groups have been amazing. I've learned so much. I've got some good mentors, and the Klingmans, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been great. Pastor Ted, he's a, he's a really big mentor of mine, and thank you guys for all welcoming me, and I look forward to being part of this church for a long time. Thanks, buddy. I, I didn't want to get all my snot all over your nice shirt there, so I didn't give you a hug. I could keep going. I know we got to eat lunch soon, but I could listen to this all day. The, the stories are for us to be reminded that God is working in people's lives. Don't get caught up in what you see in the world. If you've been watching the news, if you put too much emphasis on the election, if everything looks depressing, these stories are reminders that God isn't done and God shows up everywhere. There's not a place you can go that God's not going to find you. And he found Tyler in prison. What Tyler didn't share was that while he was in prison, he lost his mom to cancer. And so... He also had to go through that while being incarcerated. And so now does not have his mom uh, around. And so all the more important that you have a family, a church family, uh, to, to be in your life. It was funny, the, the thing that Tyler was most worried about or even said when he and I met, as I said, I get the inside scoop on all this stuff. He and I met, we're sitting in my office, and he was worried about if... It's a problem that he's got this past and people get uncomfortable at church. He would go somewhere else so it, that it wouldn't make it a problem. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> this is exactly what God does in people's lives. And if anybody gives you a hard time about it, you come talk to me and I'll go talk to that person. Because look at what God has done in his life. And now he's sitting up here and playing the keyboard just like a guy that tried to help mentor him and did mentor him. So we are disciple makers. That's who all of us are. And what you heard in each of those stories is that I don't, this isn't something I just do by myself. There are groups, there are commissions, there are committees, there are events. All of it works together to help bring people to that place where they're standing up here and they're sharing with you what God's been doing in their life. And because they're up here sharing that, they're saying to you, he can do it in your life too. The prayer that, that I pray all the time, that a group of guys that meet in my office on Wednesday mornings, we've been doing it for a lot of years now. The prayer that I always pray is that as a result of what we do at Grace Church, we would see people's lives transformed by Jesus. I'm thankful God is answering that prayer. 
I'm so convinced that this is true that I've given basically the rest of my life, however long that is, back to this story that changes lives. So if you came not sure if it could, if you came struggling to see if maybe it can, if it ever will, these testimonies are to remind you that God can. It's, are you willing to let God get a hold of your life to see what God has done for you in sending his son and the difference that that can make in your life? And these stories are showing you it can make a difference. It will. And we'll continue to share that story, tell that story until Jesus comes back because we know that Jesus can transform people's lives. So we're going to close here in just a second by singing a, a hymn. It's an, an oldie but goodie is what we call it. I love to tell the story. We're going to sing that together as we close because it is that story. It is Jesus. We, we sang the My Jesus song at the beginning and we'll sing another song about Jesus to close. It is he who changes people's lives. Doesn't matter where you are, where you go, God can find you and will change your life. Let me just close this time together in prayer. God, thank you for Mark and Mary Ann, Chuck, Tyler. Thank you for their willingness to stand up before their church body and others and just share about what you did in their life. It's not an easy thing to do, so I appreciate their willingness to do that. And as Mark said, it's important for us to do so that we might be able to take comfort in, be encouraged by, maybe be convicted by the stories we hear to say, God, you can do that in other people's lives as well. So thank you for doing that in Mark and Mary Ann's life, Chuck's and, and uh, Tyler's as well. And so God, as we close now this morning singing this song, I pray that you would remind us of this amazing story. This is a story about you loving us enough to send us your son, Jesus, who though was undeserving of what he received, took it anyway. Because of his great love for us, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And instead of giving us judgment and condemnation, we are free. We experience grace and mercy. And I pray your spirit would not only have communicated that to our hearts today, but when we leave this place as well, that he would continue to communicate that to us so that we might choose to live every single day to your honor and to your glory. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.